Well, it's great to be here and a great privilege to stand here where my pastor stands every week and, and preaches the Word of God. And um, it's great to see so many that I'm, I've known for so long and uh, many who, have, who helped raise me uh, and put up with me uh, all those years ago. And I'm grateful to all of you. I've said it before. I want to say it again. And if I get 10, uh, 100 more opportunities before I die, I'll say it to you again. Thank you so much for what you have invested in my life. There's no way that I could ever uh, repay you. And no way that I could ever put a value on what uh, has been given to me down through these years by you. And I'm, I'm grateful, so grateful to you. And it's good uh, to see many that I've, I haven't seen in a while. I, I saw Edward Addy. Where are you, Edward? There's Brother Edward. Edward and I went to school together. I graduated from Davidson High School together. And I want you to know, when Edward Addy walked in the, the room today, he was immediately the smartest man in the room. That guy's the smartest guy I know. And uh, we were talking before the service. He said, and I said, man, weren't you the valedictorian of our class? He said, no, I was just third. He said, I made a B in a typing class one time. And that cost me. I thought to myself, and I told somebody standing there, I said, man, uh, I, I, that's the difference between a guy like Edward and me. Edward remembers one class, his grade in one class. I was just grateful to get out of school uh, and, and graduate. Uh, that, that's amazing to me, but a dear friend and a blessing to see him today. And his daddy, Mr. Addy there, was one of those men years ago that put up with me and dealt with all the stuff that me and a bunch of other guys, I wasn't the only one, I can tell you that, but a bunch of, other, a bunch of us gave to you. Uh, if you will uh, take your Bible and turn to the Gospel of Mark and the fourth chapter Today I just want us to kind of look at something and I want to share with you not so much a sermon um, but just, just a message from my heart and something that has come straight out of what God has done in my life in these last uh, weeks and months, uh, most recent. So Mark chapter 4 and we're going to read verses 35 through 41, so would you stand in honor of God's Word, please, as we read. Mark chapter 4, and beginning in verse 35. On the same day, when evening had come, He said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. And when they had left the multitude... They took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? 
And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now let's pray together. Father, today all I want to do is just share from my heart to these folks a word that I believe will be a blessing and an encouragement to them simply because of the blessing and encouragement it has been to me. And so I pray that you would, in these moments together, speak a word to us that would do in us what only you can do. And we're listening for your voice. And when you speak, we will obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. As I said, um, this, this has kind of come out of my own personal experience. It wasn't long ago that I was dealing with a, a, an issue in my life. Um, just one of those things that comes up. And uh, so one day I just decided that I wanted to have a little pity party. And uh, I just started crying and whining and saying, Woe is me, you know, God, what's going on? And don't you love me? And all of that. I know that none of you have ever had to deal with that, but... Um, I do, occasionally. and In the midst of that time, as I cried out to God, God was faithful and He answered me. It was much like uh, happened in David's life. Listen to this experience with David in Psalm 18.6. David says, In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and I cried out to my God. He heard my voice from His temple. And my cry came before him, even to his ears. That's what God did for me. He comforted me. He convicted me. He corrected me. And he encouraged me from his word. And that's what I want to do with you for just a little bit today. What I kind of want to do is just go verse by verse in these, uh, this passage and see what it'll teach us. And then at the end, I just want to uh, share with you just a few principles that I think uh, might be of help to you. First of all, look in verse 35 there. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now the word cross over here is a word that is made by taking a Greek preposition and a Greek verb and putting them together. And it literally means to go on a journey, to go from one place to another place, go on a specific journey. And so Jesus said, let us go to a specific place. What I want to remind you of today is this, that when you're saved, that you, what God's done with you in this life is given you a brand new life in this life, but He's also given you a brand new destination in your life. And you're not to sit around, no matter who you are or where you come from or what your station in life is, you're not just to sit around and waste time. You're to get on with the journey. Jesus always is saying to us, let us go to the place that I want, to t- want you to go to. Let us go on a specific journey to a specific place. And so that's what he was doing. So in verse 36... The Bible says here, Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. 
And I want you to notice something here. It says that they came to Jesus as He was. Now the context of this passage is that Jesus was teaching His disciples. Here's what He was doing. He was teaching the people. But then, and, and what He was doing was teaching them in parables. But then He was going in private later on and explaining the parables to His disciples. But when he was teaching those people, the Bible says at the first of this chapter that he found a boat. There was a, a multitude was so big that uh, he found a boat and he got into the boat, pushed out a little bit from the shore, and all the people were on the shore and he taught them uh, many parables during that particular time. And so he was in this boat already. And so the Bible says here they took him as he was in the boat and they got in the boat, and other boats uh, were uh, coming along with him. As he said, let's go on this journey. Now, I want you to understand and notice something here. And this was the first time I'd ever seen this. These people, uh, Jesus didn't get in the boat with them. They got in the boat with him. He was already in the boat. And I want to remind you of something today if you're saved. When you were saved... Jesus didn't get in the boat with you. You got in the boat with Him. There's only one room, or only room, for one commander of the boat of your life, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who must be at the helm of your life if you are going to be saved, and if you're going to move forward in this journey to where He wants you to go. Some of you in this room still think, that Jesus got in the boat with you when you were saved. But you got in the boat with Him because He is Lord in every aspect of life. He is Lord of this universe and He demands to be Lord of our lives. And if we're going to have to make this journey securely and make this journey successfully, then we have to remember who is in charge. Jesus is always in charge. I want to ask you today, who is at the helm of your ship this morning? Who is the one who's the commander of your boat, of your life? If Jesus isn't your Lord, then there's something wrong in your life. Well, you can move forward in verse 37. Let's look at it. A great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Now, you know, in life... Uh, there are going to be calm seas and rough seas. There are going to be peaceful times, and there are going to be stormy times. Now here the Bible says that there was a great windstorm. Uh, these are interesting words. The word windstorm, you and I should be very familiar with, because this word literally describes what, if you've been raised here in Mobile, if you've lived here very long, you've seen it, uh, it, it's kind of a, uh, like a water spout out in the Gulf. Uh, that's what this is describing. A tempest, a, a great whirlwind. And this word great is a word that is used to describe the intensity of that storm. It was fierce and frightening. It was exceedingly strong, as one translator has put it. Sometimes in our lives... We encounter storms of this nature. Now, I'm not talking about just a little rain shower that comes uh, in the afternoon on a summer's day. 
I'm not talking about just a little dust up in your life, uh, an everyday disturbance, but I'm talking about a fierce and frightening storm, a hurricane like a Katrina, like a Sandy, like a Camille, a hurricane that threatens your very existence, a storm that arises in your life, and you don't know if you're going to survive this storm. The Bible says here that the storm was so fierce that it beat, the waves beat into the boat. This describes how the, the, the power and the force that these waves uh, had as they were striking the boat. Uh, as a result, the boat was about to break up and sink down into the sea. I don't know about you, but sometimes that's the way I feel in my life. As a pastor, as a Christian now since 1973, as a pastor since 1980, sometimes I get in storms and I, I feel like my boat's about to sink. The wind is so hard. The waves are beating into my life. So diff- so, with so much force and so much power. And I, I don't know if I'm going to survive. When that happens, unfortunately, because of who we are, when that happens in our lives, frequently, we, are gonna, we will respond to the storm as Christians now, as believers. We'll respond to the storm in a shameful way, like these disciples did. Look in verse 38. But he, the Lord Jesus, was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? (laughs) The disciples were so alarmed that they came to Jesus and asked Him, Don't you care about us? We're about to sink. As though the boat could sink with the Son of God in it. As though any storm could could, uh, uh, crash the boat that the Son of God was in. The Son of God created the storm. My soul. He, uh, He was in absolute control. But they didn't take time to think about that. They just said, don't you care? Uh, We're about to go under. Doesn't that mean anything to you, Jesus? What an insult. What an insult to Jesus. I I, I want you to think about something. Think about what the Bible teaches us about the Lord Jesus. First of all, the Bible teaches us that Jesus always had Jerusalem in His sights. In uh, Luke 9.51, the Bible says, Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Do you remember what was waiting on him in Jerusalem? Rejection. Suffering. Humiliation. Death. He always had Jerusalem in his sights. And it was for those disciples' sake, as well as your sake and my sake. 
He always had Jerusalem in his sights. He always had the cross in his heart. In John 12, 27, the Bible says, the Lord Jesus uh, is speaking here. Uh, The Bible says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Jesus was talking about the cross. He always had the cross in His heart. He knew that He was bound for the cross. He was bound for that place where He would suffer and die and take the sin of the whole world upon Himself. And He was doing that for the sake of these disciples. And He did that for your sake and my sake as well. He always had Jerusalem in His sights. He always had the cross in His heart. And folks, He's always had you on His mind. He's done what He's done for you and for me. He, His destiny was to suffer and die for us. The Bible says in Matthew 16, 21, from that time forth He began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. He did all of that for the sake of those disciples and He did all of that for you and me. Now, put yourself now back in the context of that boat. The storm's raging. Jesus is in the middle of a really great nap. You know how good that is. I mean, there's nothing like a really good nap. And all of a sudden, the disciples come to him, and and they're not saying, "Uh, Lord Jesus, we don't want you to sleep. We just want you to be awake so we can listen to you teach some more. Uh, they, They weren't saying, Jesus, wake up. We just want to hear you say that you love us because we want to spend time with you. No, they said, Jesus, wake up. Don't you care about us? He, had, he knew all that he was doing and was planning to do and was going to do for them. I would imagine, by the way, don't you think that wounded his heart when the disciples asked him, don't you care? Don't you care? I would imagine Jesus wanted to look at them if you, and say, if you only knew how much I did care for you, you wouldn't be worried. You wouldn't ask that question. And so many times we are all guilty of that. We're guilty of wondering if God really cares for us. We're in a storm of life. And listen, I'm not downplaying the hardships and sufferings of life. There are some of you in this room I know that have suffered so much more than I ever have in my life. There are people all over this world who suffer greatly. And I'm not downplaying or minimizing those things. I'm just saying to you we're all guilty of at times questioning whether or not God cares for us. Whether or not God has forgotten us. Here I am, Jesus. Don't you know where I am? Don't you care about what's going on in my life? Why do we do that? Why is it that we can be saved and we can be uh, a member of a Bible-believing fellowship like Luke 4.18, have the kind of of Bible-preaching 
uh, heritage that most of you in this room have uh, in your lives? How is it that we can do that and then fall into this trap occasionally of questioning God's love for us? I'll tell you how it happens. Look in verse 40. Jesus said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Listen, when we encounter these storms in our lives, we become vulnerable to two things. Number one, we become vulnerable to fear. And number two, we become vulnerable to unbelief. Now this word, fear, why are you so fearful? Uh, It means to be faint-hearted or cowardly. To, to, to run in the heat of battle. To shrink away when the pressure or difficulty comes. Ladies and gentlemen, fear will make cowards out of the bravest men. Or the bravest women. When we give in to fear, I'll tell you what it does. It, it paralyzes your walk with God. It uh, it, 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 it hinders your growth, it hinders your relationship to Jesus. And when we encounter storms, uh, and some of you right now are in the middle of a storm in your life, and you are, are subject to fear, you're also subject to unbelief. That word, no faith, this is such an interesting phrase. How is it that you have no faith? That That word literally, in that phrase, the word know there, literally means not yet. Not yet. It's the word that means to expect something and then realize your expectation is not met. Not yet. Think about this. Jesus had called these men to follow Him. He had had taught them. He had shown them His miraculous power. He had commissioned them and given them the same kind of miraculous power in their ministry to heal and to cast out demons. And yet, their faith was not yet. He had an expectation of their faith and it was not yet they had no faith that Jesus would protect them keep them and preserve them and how that describes me and how that describes so many of us Jesus has blessed us and He's protected us and He's provided for us in ways that we don't even understand. And yet we still question Him. We claim to have faith and we profess our faith. But I wonder how many times in my life does Jesus look at me and say, Not yet. How is it? That your faith is not yet. Well, that's the kind of the context of this story. They're in the storm. And obviously they gave in to fear and unbelief. So how do we 
overcome fear and unbelief in our daily lives? How do we deal with it when these storms come? And how can we move through them to victory? This is what I want just to, where I just want to suggest to you a few principles that arise from these pas- this passage and these principles that God impressed me, uh, impressed on my heart. Uh, the first thing that I want to mention to you is, in your storm, when the storm comes, uh, make sure that Jesus is the commander of your boat. That's the first step. The first step. Make sure Jesus is in charge of your boat. Remember, He, he didn't get in the boat with you. You got in the boat with Him. He is the one who is in charge. There's only room for one set of hands on the helm of your life. There's only room for one set of hands on the steering wheel of your life. If if there's any other hands on the steering wheel of your life, guess whose hands aren't on there? That doesn't mean that you lose your salvation. It doesn't mean that God forsakes you. It simply means that that you're, you've taken over and you think you've got a better idea than God. Who is in charge of your life? Make Jesus the commander of your boat. Make sure He's the one who is setting the agenda and the direction for your life. Make Him the commander. And there are some of you today who are in this room who are in the middle of storms in your life and the reason is because Jesus is not at the helm. Jesus is not the one who is in command of your ship. And today, you need to come. And if that means you need to be saved, then so be it. Come and trust Him. Get into the boat. Quit trying to convince Him of how lucky He was that day years ago when you got in the boat with Him. Or or that is when you let Him get in the boat with you. Quit trying to convince him of how, how fortunate he was in that day. Surrender yourself to him and be saved today. And if you're saved today and you're used to having your hands on that helm of your life, then take the ha- your hands off and give com- command where it belongs to the Lord Jesus. That's the first thing you do. Make Jesus the commander of your boat. Second thing I want to mention to you is, When you enter the storm of your life, confess and affirm that God does care for you. I mean, think of this question. Look in verse uh, 38 again. What did they do? They said, Lord, don't you care? When you enter into your storm, when you're in the midst of your storm, instead of questioning God's care... Turn the question into a declaration of God's care. Instead of saying, Lord, don't you care for me? Just turn that around and say, Lord, I know you care for me. No matter what the world may say, no matter what my circumstances may teach me, may, may, may be dictating to me, I know you love me. I know you care for me. I know that you're watching out for me. Listen to me. If that's not true, then we have no faith. 
If that's not true, we have no hope. If He doesn't really care for us and love us all the time, no matter what our circumstances, then we don't have a faith. We're all just fooling ourselves. Turn the question into a declaration of your faith and of your, of your, your, your hope in Him. Lord, I know You care for me, no matter what is happening in my life. There's a third thing that I want to suggest to you in the midst of your storm. And that is this. Choose Jesus' peace over the storm's panic. <laughs> Choose peace over panic. Jesus was sleeping in the middle, in, in the, the, the bow of the boat. In, uh, he's taking a nap on a pillow in the middle of the storm. The disciples panicked. Did that mean Jesus didn't care for them? Did Jesus being asleep in the middle of the storm mean that he didn't care what was happening in his disciples' life? No, it meant that he had perfect peace about the circumstance. He had perfect peace about the situation. Too often we, we seem to forget we mess up in our lives. And we need to remember that we are in Him. He is in us and we are in Him. Too often we will forget our spiritual position in Christ and we'll focus on our surrounding circumstances and by doing that we will forfeit the peace and security that is ours in Him. But listen, you can have peace today in the midst of your storm. You can have peace when you choose peace over panic. I read something by Manly Beasley this week. I'm doing a little study, a little booklet called The Adventures in Faith. I recommend it to you. Not, not if you don't want to go deep and be challenged all the way to your, to your socks. But, but if, you're, if you're willing to deal with it, and you're willing to go deeper than maybe you've ever been, I recommend Adventures in Faith by Manly Beasley. Here's what Manly said. Manly said, Your need, when you have a need, it's just God's way of reminding you that He already has the supply, and you ought to trust Him to give you the supply for your need and nothing else. Your need is just God's way of reminding you that the supply is already there and that you should come to Him to meet that need. Choose peace. I mean, you know that, that your need for peace has already been met, don't you? You know the supply is already there. It's not something you have to strive for or earn or be better, about, better in order to get it. You know, we are Baptists and we have a tendency... To think that whatever God has for us, that just means we got to do more in order to get it. We got to come to church more often. We got to give a little more. You know, be a be, be a little better. Just, just I got to try harder. And we have a tendency to think that 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 all kind of impresses God, and that just sort of 
causes things to click. And God says, oh, well, in, in that you've read, you've read two more chapters today than you normally do. Well, bless your heart. I'll pour some grace out on you. You know, you've prayed ten minutes longer today than you did yesterday. So you get ten minutes more worth of peace. That's not the way God operates. His supply is already given. Your supply of peace is already met. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I give unto you. My peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. He's already met that peace. That need for peace in your life. This morning I was reading. Just praying and getting ready for the message today. And, uh, and I, I was just asking God. And, and listen, I, again, I, I'm still struggling uh, w- with this, this issue in my own life. And, and I, I'm praying through it. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to practice what I'm preaching to you. Keep my hands off the helm. And just back it off. And letting Jesus command my ship. And so today it was a little more, just a little more of me doing it. Just saying, oh God, now now I just, I just want to hear a word from you today. And boy, God spoke a word to me. I, I want to share it with you just real quickly. If you want to turn in your Bible to Psalm 55. Man, I, I, I needed peace today. Just... I just needed God to speak a word of peace to me. And uh, what I've been doing is I, on the first day, I think if you back up 55 days from now, you'll get the first of something. I, I can't figure out which it is. It may be uh, September or uh, October. I, I, I don't know. But I, I, I started off on the first day of the month with the first psalm. And I'm just reading through the psalms, one psalm a day. And so today is the 25th. And so 25 plus 30 is 55. And so that's why I'm on, the, on Psalm 55 today on the 25th day of November. So I guess it was October 1st that I started. And so today I came to, to, to Psalm 55 and I said, Lord, I just need you to speak a word to me of peace today. And man, I was reading along and here's what God said. Look at verse 16. As for me... I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and He shall hear my voice. And look at that 18th verse. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that is being waged against me. Oh, when I read that, my heart just leapt up in my chest. And God spoke that word to me. And He said, Hey, son, I've already met your need for peace. See, He has redeemed my soul in peace. He has done it. It's already done. And so today, you know what I did? I chose peace over panic. And God met my need. What about you? Are you in the panic mode today? Or will you let Jesus 
Be so in command of your life that you'll choose peace over panic. The fourth thing that I want to remind you of is in the midst of your storm. And I, I'm watching the clock down here. I want you to know. I, you know, I'm, my pastor, Fred Wolf, is also my mentor. And I learned one thing from my mentor, and that is this, that clocks and watches are completely irrelevant. <laughs> Utterly irrelevant. But I've noticed that there's a clock here. And although through the years my eyesight is dimmed and I really can't make out what the time is, I do want you to know I know there's a clock there. When you're in the midst of your storm, here's a fourth thing that I want to encourage you to do. Reject fear and unbelief. Reject fear and unbelief. Listen, now I won't, I won't spend but just a moment here, but, but you must understand and keep in your mind, fear and unbelief are never from God, ever. There's never a time when God will lead you into a circumstance that will that His plan is to produce in you fear and unbelief. So when you sense in your heart, and I'm not talking about the fear that causes you to reverence and honor God. I'm talking about the fear that causes you to panic. It's never from God. Reject fear and reject unbelief. Reject that sense where you're ready to say, I just don't know if God really cares or not. Reject those things every time. They are either from the flesh or they're from the enemy, but they are never from God. And you've just got to do that. Listen, folks, when you're in the midst of your storm and it seems as though you're going to go under you must consciously and willfully reject fear and unbelief. You've got to say no to it. Just, just the bottom line. Reject it. And finally, when you're in the midst of your storm, reverently, humbly submit to God's sovereignty. You know, I, I wouldn't serve a God who wasn't sovereign. As a matter of fact, you can't have a God who's not sovereign. So God, if God is God, we believe He is, right? Jehovah God is God. If God is God, then He's sovereign. There's no such thing as a God who's not sovereign. And so God is sovereign, and we must submit to His sovereignty. Look in verse 41. It says, They feared exceedingly. Now that is not the fear that produces panic. That is the fear that brings us into surrender to Jesus. That is the fear that honors God in your life. They feared exceedingly. They were reverent before Him. They were awestruck. And they said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey Him? Think about this. When Jesus said back in the 35th verse, Let us go over to the other side. Do you think that He didn't know that a storm was brewing on the ocean? Do you think that storm took Him by surprise? 
Do you think he said, my soul, I knew we should have checked on the Weather Channel before we left. Jesus knew exactly where he was taking his disciples and he knew exactly what they would encounter on their way there. He is sovereign. He knew what he was doing. And he accomplished, he was able to accomplish what he wanted to do in their lives. And we've got to believe and trust that our sovereign God holds us in His hand. Our sovereign Savior is Lord of the sea and He is Lord of the storm. The only question is, is He Lord of your life? If He is Lord of your life, then He'll, as you enter, get onto the sea and you enter the storm, He'll be Lord and He'll take you through. I know that um, I love music. I was raised in Cottage Hill Baptist Church and I just love music. I love Christian music. I, I like traditional music. I like bluegrass. Y'all like bluegrass? I love, I, I have, I like sometimes I'll just, when I'm on a trip, I'll, I'll tune in on Sirius Radio to the Bluegrass Channel. And I'll just sit there and listen and, and enjoy it. I, I love our traditional music, traditional hymns. There's nothing like singing those good old hymns. Now, there's some of those hymns. I, I just can't, I can't understand who'd want to sing them. But most of our traditional hymns that we all grew up on, man, I just love singing them like we did today. Thank you for leading us in some of those wonderful hymns. And I like, some of the, I like a lot of the, tr- the contemporary music. Uh, some of the, the contemporary songs and uh, words. Some of the words are wonderful. I, I want to talk to you, just share with you as I finish today, the words of a contemporary song. Okay? Now don't get, don't throw, get, get a book ready to throw at me. I just, I'm, I'm not going to sing it for you. Praise the Lord. But I am going to, quote it to you. One of the most popular groups of today, young groups, is called Casting Crowns. If, if you would, um, I can tell you some of, some of you who are um, a seasoned uh, citizens, if you would uh, if you'd drop, just, just drop your prejudice just a little bit and go listen to some of, this, some of their music, boy, it would bless you. It would bless you. Casting crowns. They sang a song a couple of years ago, and it was called, Praise You in This Storm. Listen to the words. I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, when I say amen, it's still raining. As the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain, I'm with you. 
And as your mercy falls, I raise my hand and praise the God who gives and takes away. And I'll praise you in this storm. And I will lift my hands for you are who you are no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. You never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. When you enter your storm, don't panic. But know that the Lord Jesus Christ, if He is in command of your life, He will take you to the other side. Just don't have a faith that is not yet. Don't give in to fear. But trust Him in the storm. And He'll take you through.